Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pop I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined by Jeremy Dunn this evening. Jeremy, how are you? I am peachy. How are you? I am fabulous. I'm excited to um, have you back with us. Yes, I, I'm excited to be back, too. Oh, God, and I forgot to mute this thing again. There we go. Okay, I'm muted. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, it's nice to be back. All well, good. healthy and, and like. So um, we have a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have a couple of minutes before the, the guest calls in. So, so I want to um, tell everybody what happened. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to host with Jack McEnroe, and um, I had actually forgotten that I had taken some of my meds, and and uh, I accidentally overdosed, and um, and I went into a bit of a toxic shock. Uh, this was two weeks ago today, as a matter of fact, and um, Mark comes in to find me passed out unconscious on the um, on the bathroom floor, and I had hit my head on something. We don't know yet. but um, And uh, they come in. He calls the ambulance. I get taken to the hospital, and I wake up in the um, intensive care unit. So that's why I wasn't able to host the show last <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Um, so I had a very good excuse, and but what, <laughs> but what I wanted to let everybody know is that um, understand what you're taking and and really know when you've taken your meds because you don't want to end up in that kind of situation at all. You know, I sit here and I laugh a little bit, but it was a little apparently it was touch and go because I was completely out of it. I was completely unconscious. And um, Mark stayed with me the entire evening, and he said um, that uh, that they were going to have to put me on a respirator. And if I and that's when Mark went and got my living will and directives. So um, because if I <laughs> so it, it was it was really serious and scary for for a little while. So um, so oh, well, I'm here. Pleasure. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm alive. That's all that matters, you know, right? Right. And, and, and thank goodness for Mark. You know, thank yeah. God Mark was there to walk into that bathroom and find you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and if him. It, you know, if it weren't for him, I would probably, you know, be you'd all be at my funeral right now. Well, you're married a winner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh god our insurance isn't paid up let's get him revived <laughs> but no it's all good um healthy i'm back and i'm stronger than ever and i'll be hitting the um the gym tomorrow at 5 30 in the morning so i can look like mark king you know you know all big and buff and gorgeous <laughs> only i won't be all freckly and red hair so and, but anyway that's a whole other story but but that's why I wasn't here a couple of weeks ago, and um, I do want to apologize to to Dr. Nate and to Jack for for not being there because I that's looked at the phone and people were calling me and everything. They couldn't get a hold of me. They're like, "Oh my God, what's up, dude? Why aren't you here?" And so yeah, I figured something was going on. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like you just to. You know, obviously, not show up just for yeah. It was very odd. So I was like, something's going on. Of course, I was in DC. Right. You know, trying to film that, that PSA for for the ADAPT, and I was so confused. I was like, I, don't, I tried to call him to listen and maybe make a comment, and I couldn't uh-huh. get through. So, you know, so yeah. now we figured out what's good. We're all back here. Um, yes, we're all back. Listening for the very first time, I just want to let people know who we are and what we're all about. Um, you can find information on Jeremy at PositivelySpeaking.com. That's PositivelySpeaking.com. And more information on me, the radio show, and the social network that um, runs parallel with the radio show at pauseim.com. I just gave the whole new site uh, a makeover, 
So I'm really excited. I want you to go check out uh, podziam.com. Uh, send us an email. Tell us what you think. If you're listening for the first time, thank you for tuning in. Uh, what Podziam Radio is is a place where we offer um, support for those who are living with HIV and AIDS, and we want to give them all kinds of resources. So we have people come on and share personal stories, or we have doctors come on and talk about the work that they do, or, or authors come on, bloggers, you know, and we try to give the voice back to the people living with HIV and AIDS because if you're in the United States and, you know, if you're in a, a city, a small little city like mine in Pennsylvania, you know, there's really not a lot of support and stuff like that or any kind of AIDS awareness in this general area. So the radio show is giving the voice back to our community and allowing us to offer hope to each other. So if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, please uh, friend us on Blog Talk Radio if you just signed up. If you're new to the show, you can join Blog Talk Radio as a listener and tune in and chat with us and the other people listening. If not, you can just view everything as a guest and listen, listen, listen. Also on the radio show page, if you're on it, there is a, um, a player for uh, the show. And you're actually able, if you have a blog or if you, you have a website or a page somewhere, your MySpace or your Facebook, and you would like to put and promote the radio show, there's, right underneath the widget is a little link that says, um, you know, share share this player, and you just click it, and it gives you the HTML code, and you just throw it on your page and, and spread the love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, and, and oh, and, and if Tom is listening, this is for Tom. Oh, watch out for that tree! Blank. I, I told him I did that. <laughs> the entire so, call, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, um, yeah, The other yeah. thing I wanted to address real quick is I just, um, like I told you, I redid the Pause.im site. But I just started a new blog, and I kind of wanted to create a standalone blog similar to like what you and Jack have. So people who are not members of the site, as I am, you know, can go and read like my family and not feel obligated to join my website. So what you know they can do is if you go to uh, positiveam.com and go to the About Robert page, the, the uh, blog itself is called The Positive Pitch, and you can find it at positivepitch.blogspot.com. And the only other thing, today was an amazing day, Jeremy. I went and walked eight and a half miles with some other Pazayamers and did the Philly AIDS walk, and it was amazing. Uh, we raised, I think, together, everyone who walked raised about $3,500. No, $350,000 is what the total amount was um, at the end of the walk. Okay, um, that makes cool more Yes, definitely. And the cool thing was is um, Logo was there interviewing people who were HIV positive, so I was able to participate in that. So you're going to be seeing some of that come out, um, obviously, later in the year. And some other POS-IMers who were there walking with me were interviewed. So it's really, really cool um, to have that on. And later I want to tell you about a special guest that we have coming up. But I see that we have our guest on uh, the line right now. And our oh, guest oh yeah. Susan. And, yeah, I think she was supposed to call in at 9.05 and you went over. Oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah, it's fine. She's cool. I know she can hear me, so <laughs> she understands. Um, our guest tonight is Dr. Jacqueline Gunn, and she is a psychologist, and she works with, um, she does psychotherapy, and tonight we're going to talk about HIV and psychotherapy. And Dr. Gunn just put out this, Just I think she just put this book out. It's called In the Therapist Chair. And what it does is it allows you to see everything basically from the, the therapist's point of view and how it works. And basically, this is kind of the, the gist about the whole the book. Um, the description is, have you ever wondered how psychotherapy actually works? Have you ever been curious about what a therapist's thoughts, thoughts are while you're sitting, while she's sitting or he is sitting with a patient? Do, do therapists feel emotions during the session? How do you know you really have the right therapist? And this book, I mean, it's brilliant, brilliant. I can't speak tonight. I'm having really bad issues in case you didn't notice, everyone. Um, it, it's written beautifully because it's not filled with medical talk. It's not filled with all these words that you don't understand and you have to go look up. And the way that it's written is just so to the heart, and you can really feel her connections with her patients. So later on in the show, at the uh, second half, we're going to have a patient by the name of, we're going to call him Patient K, and that's how he was mentioned in the book. And he is an HIV-positive patient of Dr. Gunn's. And he's going to come on and talk about his experience of, you know, going through psychotherapy and what that has done for him. Because a lot of the symptoms that he is dealing with, with his insecurity and shame from being gay and HIV-positive, are a lot of things that a lot of our listeners will listen to. So please help me um, welcome Dr. Jacqueline Gunn to the show. Hello, doctor. How are you? Hello. How are you? 
Is this Robert? Good, good, good. I didn't butcher your name in any way, did I? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. It's, but uh, thanks for coming on. Call me Jackie. So. Okay, so we can call you Jackie. <laughs> yes. Right. Hi, Jackie. Well, this is Jeremy. Hi. Okay, Jeremy is in, doing the interview, or Robert? Both of we us. Both are. <laughs> okay. So, hi, Robert and hi. Jeremy. <laughs> Robert, you didn't prep her very well, did you? Well, I didn't really talk to her yet. I, I spoke to her. Was it your assistant or your publicist? Yes, Severio. Very nice guy. He actually hooked us up with, um, oh my God, uh, Scott Creed, who was on uh, a couple weeks ago. Jeremy, weren't you on that show too when we talked about talking to your kids about HIV and stuff? No, I wasn't there. That okay, was that might have been Jack. Yeah. So, anyway, that, thanks for coming on, Jackie. We appreciate it. I just wanted to um, first kind of give people what is, for people who don't know, what is psychotherapy? Um, psychotherapy is is different for different people. Um, there are different mm-hmm. orientations to psychotherapy, but my way of doing psychotherapy is long-term insight-oriented therapy, which means I try to help people um, figure out how their inner workings in their mind are creating symptoms. The symptoms simply could be dissatisfaction with life, feeling they could be happier than they are, all the way up until severe abuse and trauma on the spectrum. Um, So the process for me is to first gain trust, form an alliance with the patient that can take any, the time amount is based on the patient, how long that will take, um, and and then to collaboratively work toward helping them live a fuller, richer life. But as you can see from my book, it's an extremely complicated process um, because myself as a psychologist, in order to be successful at long-term psychotherapy, you have to be very engaged and involved with the patient. You have to really be able to empathize with their experience. And in order to do that, sometimes your own emotions are on a roller coaster, which is very clear in my book, because you need to be very open emotionally. I mean, you can, you know, people have this image of the therapist as sitting back and not saying much and taking notes. That's not the way I work. To me, I'm right in there with the patient, experiencing all the things they're experiencing. We go through it together. Yeah, and that's, that's really obvious, you know, when you read the book, that you can see that you are really in touch with your patients. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way that you view them, you know, just by looking at them and, and just the way that you, you think and the way that you write it was just so beautifully written. I have to Thank tell you that you. because for me, I lose attention real easy when I read a book. If there's words that I don't understand and I have to go look up, I'm putting the book down. You know what I mean? And I was able to, to sit down and read a couple chapters and, like, the one that you did with uh, Chapter 6 with Special with special K, listen to me, with <laughs> Patient K, God. Um, was that a radio really I think that's a serial, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, let's, let's say it is a serial then, okay. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll no, cut I mean, Robert I mean, some just, slack on that one. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I mean, you could just see how in touch you are, and it really puts it into perspective how much we really, because we have to interview, like, when I, people come on and they ask, how do you find the right doctor? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just a normal HIV specialist. I tell them, you've got to basically have to go through, like, the interview process, and you have to interview your doctor until you find the right one. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it's the same with, with therapy as if somebody would come see you as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, I have been referred patients who have not cared for their previous therapist, and I refused to work with patients because I didn't think I was the best match for them. So the match has to go both ways. So That, that you... is a significantly important piece of it. And, and how do you keep how do you keep the patient engaged in wanting to come back and, and talk with you? Because because I know as as a person who is going who has a therapist and um, goes through and, and it, it's sometimes a little difficult for me to want to go back, but I do. You know, I force myself to do it. But 
it's I, I think there was there's a give and take between me and my my therapist where it's you know I want to go and I want to talk to her but sometimes it's very very difficult for me and sometimes it's how do you keep that dynamic rolling when you say that it's difficult you mean the you you want to go but sometimes it's difficult to go because what comes up in therapy can be difficult exactly that what you're saying yeah, exactly i mean that's a very normal part of the therapeutic process and i think that you know it's not just up to the therapist it's also up to the patient like you jeremy to push yourself to recognize that this difficulty you're having talking about your discomfort until you can actually work through that you're not going to get better so you have mm-hmm. to continually go um i and this is a case with Kay. for a long time he really never opened up to anyone um not that he's the only patient i've had like that but since we're focusing on him i'm just going to focus on that case because it will be simplified mm-hmm. um and I sat with his discomfort. I mean, he shared with me that he was uncomfortable. I did not push him. I went at his own pace. When I felt the discomfort, I would bring it up in the room, open it up for us to discuss it. I mean, I think probably one of the biggest mistakes a beginning therapist would make is not discussing it. You know, if they notice a patient is missing sessions or being late for sessions, wanting to constantly reschedule sessions, these are all signs that someone's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if it's not processed in the room, it could just continue. So before you can even move the therapy forward, and at least in my opinion, you need to say, I feel that, you know, something's going on in here where you're not feel, feeling entirely comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that we can talk about? And then usually that provides a space in the room and allows the patient to acknowledge their discomfort Mm -hmm. and talk about it. But, I mean, even people, I have a lot of patients who have been in therapy eight years, and they'll have a day when they don't feel like coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Sometimes patients will tell you, I really didn't feel like coming in today. Sometimes you have to sort of intuitively figure out that it wasn't just that they said they felt sick, but there was actually something going on. Um, Right now I'm working with a patient who's having a really difficult time with uh, his anger, and the more we talk about his anger, the less able he is to come to session. So see difficult materials coming up, and it's making making it hard for him to come in because he doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So encouraging them to come in, speaking with them on the phone, trying to go over some of the stuff that may be going on for them, validating their feelings. And also having been in therapy myself, being able to empathize with that feeling of not wanting to go in. I mean, I really understand it. So so from from your point of view, um, which is really what what your book is about, how do you conquer that? Um, because, like you said earlier, you know, to be able to empathize um, with with the patient and to use that empathy, and, and then you yourself are going on the roller coaster along with them. Mm-hmm. How how do you cope? How do you handle that to come in every day? To, I mean, it just sounds exhausting. Um. I mean, it can be exhausting at times. It depends on the patient. I mean, most of the time it's actually a pretty exhilarating process because mm-hmm. the connection that you have with a patient is like no other relationship that you'll ever experience. And part of that involves being privy to things that someone has not shared with someone else and sitting through um, difficult material and what and then finally having a breakthrough with the patient, those moments make the job completely worth it. And I have to say every day that I go to work, I feel completely, for, for, um, now I'm like uh, Robert, fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, so it's an extremely meaningful exchange. Is it the easiest job in the world? 
No, but I would never choose to do anything else because I've seen people get better, and I, it, you know, I've seen people make major breakthroughs, major changes in their lives, and that makes the entire process worth it. Um, I run and swim every morning. I mean, self-care for all therapists is important. Anyone will tell you that. And I do, I'm an avid exerciser that helps me, you know, that's my time in the morning. I take an hour and I do my exercise most days and, you know, um, other things that I enjoy doing to Mm -hmm. make sure that I do those things and trying to just kind of shut my brain off a little. But in the moment, I'm very in it, so I'm not thinking about it being exhausting. Right. Right. So, I mean, I hope that's conveyed in my book. No, it, it, I don't think it you is. come off exhausted. No, I think you come all. off exhausted? No, I think you come off very compassionate. Thank you. You know, and I think that's so important for, you know, any kind of therapist because, see, I'm – very, I don't like talking to certain people, and I have to, like, I went to therapy just like a normal counselor to talk to about my issues when I was diagnosed, and I felt I couldn't relate to the doctor because he was a straight male. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there was that kind of uncomfortableness of talking about being gay and all that. So I think, it, like, having a woman as a therapist is a little bit more comfortable for a gay man if you can't have a gay therapist, just because you can kind of relate to the feelings of, you know, wanting a man and and all the actions that go with it. <laughs> right. Well, that that's probably a better question for Kay than for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do supervise a male therapist who has an HIV positive male patient, and they they seem to have a good rapport, and they're doing a lot of good work together. So some of it may depend on the patient, but I certainly could understand wanting either a gay therapist or um, a female therapist or a female therapist, I could certainly understand that. I mean, people do have preferences. Some people prefer to see a man. Some people prefer to see a woman. Um, the most important thing is that you're with the right therapist and you feel that the therapist really understands you and really listens to what you're saying without judgment. So... What are- what are some tips that we can let people know who may be looking for a therapist to let them know that that they may have found the right therapist or that they may have found the wrong one? Right. Are there any obvious signs? Well, I think that leaving the first few sessions, I think even as early as the first session, the the patient should leave feeling that they were heard, which is very different than feeling that someone listened, because your friend can listen. Being heard really means that what you said was really taken in and that the therapist almost experienced it as if it was you and was able to repeat back to you and succinctly put in a package what you were conveying. Um, that's sort of how you engage people in the beginning process of therapy. If you if you cannot do that, if you're not intuitive enough and empathic enough, then you will never make it. As, then you're in the wrong profession. And that's something that is really hard to teach. I mean, if someone has it, it develops and strengthens over time. But if you don't have that naturally, you will never be a good therapist. You You can't learn that in school. And, I mean, that's the other reason why I wrote the book I wrote, um, because I feel that a lot of academic psychology books don't really prepare students, myself included, for what it's like when you first start sitting with patients and you you thought you knew what you were doing because you had, like, eight years of school behind you in a dissertation, and then a real person comes in the room and starts telling you things, and they're really desperate, and they're asking for help, and all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, oh, my gosh, what do I do? You know, you feel very inadequate. My book is to help, I mean, lay people love it, too, because I think people are fascinated with therapy because it's kind of the mystery that's Mm -hmm. hidden. 
so lay people interested in psychology have enjoyed the book, but I think it's really good for people in therapy and for beginning therapists because it shows exactly what's going through my head from moment to moment and how I make my decisions of how to intervene or when not to intervene and what how it turns out. So okay. did that I, answer I your question? Absolutely. Okay. And, and and so I, I think that's it's incredibly fascinating, and I think something that as as we're discussing this, there's actually a question in the chat room um, from Mark King, and he says um, that and, and because you, you specialize in post trauma, mm-hmm. um, and his question is: long term survivors have been described as having post traumatic stress. Um, do you see this, and are there any tips for those of us who feel shell-shocked by years of death and dying and just living with this disease? Um, so you're asking for particular techniques to address just that issue? Right. So do you see, um, with HIV-positive patients, do you see um, a lot of post-traumatic stress? Be- I guess I'm sorry if I'm getting confused, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Not, um, not post. I guess I'm getting caught with the chicken egg syndrome here. Yep. Are you asking me if patients with HIV often have a history of trauma, or if the diagnosis of HIV is what causes the post-traumatic stress disorder? The latter. Okay. Um, there are definitely commonalities amongst people diagnosed with HIV. I, I wouldn't, well, first of all, I don't like diagnoses to begin with, but I know we're trying to be, we're simplifying for the, our listeners. Mm-hmm. But um, most of the patients that I see that have HIV, obviously there are issues that come up. Um, I have a few HIV patients right now, and Kay and one of the other patients both lost their partners to full-blown AIDS. Um, and both, I mean, it's in the chapter of K, and this other patient's not in the book, but both had to take care of their partner, um, saw them deteriorate. So, of course, this heightens the death anxiety and fears about just surrounding health. I mean, if they get a cold, it's frightening to go in to the doctor. But also what happens is, and I think patient K could really speak to this, is sometimes when they go to the doctor, unfortunately, the medical doctors are not great with this because they attribute everything to the HIV, even if the T-cell count is high. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's been your experiences, but that can cause a lot of trauma and frustration because they're not being heard by the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of shame around it having been contracted, feeling responsible or irresponsible for having contracted it. So that's sort of where the, the trauma sort of lies in the sense of self and how it, how they have to redefine who they are based on their status. Does that okay. make sense? It, it does. It makes perfect sense. So, so Mark, in the chat room, if you're listening and you heard that answer, I hope that answers your question. And thanks for um, sending the question through. And and just wanted to remind um, our listeners, I, I can't believe it's already almost 930, um, but we're at 30 minutes, bottom of the hour. So if anybody has any uh, questions that they want to ask uh, Jackie, please feel free to throw them into the chat room, and we'll try to get them to Jackie as fast as possible. Also, if you want to call in and talk to Dr. Jackie, um, the phone number is 347-215-9442. Let us know you want to uh, talk to Jackie, and we'll get you on the air. All right. That's funny, because when you, when you say Dr. Jackie, I think of Nurse Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We we posted in our forums on our social network, um, you know, the show coming up, and we asked people to submit questions. And one of the questions that was submitted by one of our members by the name of Will, he asked, um, in your work, how often do you run into cases of neuro-AIDS that are Um, the cause of many mental and psychological issues? um, Meaning that they came into treatment because of uh, AIDS-related Neurological problems. Yes. Uh, I 
really don't have experience with that. I I do have experience seeing patients with HIV who have some neurological symptoms, but none that are more of like peripheral neuropathies and things like that, not something that um, would be diagnosed, say, as an organic brain problem. I've, I've never treated anyone in that late of, this, of stages. Uh, most of my patients that I've treated that have HFB are healthy. I mean, not that they don't get certain opportunistic-like symptoms, but they're you know, they're in good health. They haven't deteriorated to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, that Wait, would be very, very more, difficult. I have one more quick question before we bring on um, Kay, because he is on the line, so I will be right with him. Uh, the one question I have is, do you, I mean, obviously you're going to get some of your patients are going to be HIV positive, and obviously not all of them are. Right. Do you see a lot of long-term survivors, or do you see a lot more newly diagnosed coming to get therapy? I've seen both. Yeah, I, yeah, I've had a couple of people who, um, you know, because I'm, I've been practicing for 15 years. Prior to um, being in private practice and being the director and supervisor at the Karen Hornet Clinic, I used to work in forensics. So I saw a lot of people that were diagnosed on the spot. Um, so I started with them in treatment, and then they got their diagnosis. Um, which is extremely difficult and very different than working with someone like Kay who came in and already had been diagnosed and been working through it for a number of years. A very different experience than the initial shock of being tested and finding out, uh, but equally as compelling. But it's... Yeah, when I... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, but when I read his... When I read the chapter that that included Kay's story, it was it was so very 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 touching, and it was so like it was so relatable. You know what I mean? And that's what I like about reading certain things is that it's relatable. And now it starts me thinking maybe it's not a bad thing to go to therapy. You know what I mean? Not maybe I don't necessarily need to go to psychotherapy, but just to go and talk to somebody. It's good to talk about your issues, and you know I think that's really important. Why we had you come on and and why we're going to have Kay come on the air now. So uh, just real quick before we bring Kay on, if you guys have any questions uh, for Kay or if you have questions for Jackie, you can give us a call, 347-215-9442. I want to welcome Kay to the show. Hello, Kay. Hi, Hi, Robert. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for uh, taking some time out to talk to us. Sure, no problem. So we have Jackie here with us. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Okay, I I read the chapter that you were in, and the story, your story is is amazing. Um, You know, you went through a lot of trials and tribulations, and when you got to to Jackie, you know, it seemed like you found your home. And you may not have found it right away, but you kept coming back. And her being that, like, rock for you was just an amazing thing to read, and it came across beautifully in the book. Yes, what was yes. the hardest step for you as someone who is HIV positive to go to a psychotherapist? Well, Jackie wasn't my first therapist, and um, I had a prior prior experience which didn't work out. And I was real reluctant about ever going back to psychotherapy, but I was in such inner turmoil with myself, and I needed an out because I do isolate so when I met Jackie and our first meeting, our rapport was so so different. It felt so different. It felt good for me to be there for some reason. I don't know, you know, what it was, but it made me feel so much better having Jackie, you know, listen to me that um, it made me want to open up and share some of my inner personal things that I've never shut shared with anyone, even my partner or anyone before. So, 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 um, Kay, this is, my name is Jeremy, and I'm um, Robert's co-host, who Hi, Robert Jeremy. neglected to introduce when okay. he introduced himself <laughs> and Jackie. I know, how rude. Um, anyway, we'll, t- we'll be talking to Robert later after the show. Um, <laughs> Robert, okay. uh, you know, I, we'll do a free consultation since you had us on the air, if it's, you know, that important. 
You know, <laughs> not, you could look for underlying reasons why you didn't introduce your co-host here. Yeah, exactly. I, I, there might be something there. Um, and then you could be in the next book. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so, Kay, you have um, this this backstory. That okay. What what caused you to pick up the phone or or find Jackie? What what? I I actually was um, I suffer from major depression, mm-hmm. um, and was hospitalized numerous times for that disorder through a psychiatrist through a clinic that I go to, um, and my psychiatrist who I've had for many years suggested that I go to the Karen Hornite Clinic in which I saw a psychiatrist who I guess, I don't know what the process was, reviewed the case and determined maybe what therapist I should be seeing. And that's how I met Jackie. And and from your first meeting, it was it was almost kismet, really. It was. I guess maybe I was at a point in my life where I just needed to break down and share it with somebody because it was really... I knew it was going to be a point in my life where, you know, either I was going to go spiral further down or try to pick up and go forward. So I chose... I mean, with Jackie being there for me, it was it made it that much easier to keep going forward. You know, it's not always easy to open up to anybody, but the um, process that or that Jackie takes with the patient or with me, I feel um, really enabled me to continue. Yeah, that's hey, this is Robert again. Um, one of the the things when I was reading your chapter is, you know, you, the backstory that you have. You like okay. I said, you went through a lot of different, you know, trials and tribulations before. You, um, you know, you lost a younger brother. Yes. You, you know, you lost uh, your mother. Um, you lost a partner. You know, yes. to AIDS. You, you uh, were dealing with drug addiction and things of that nature. Yes. And you know, a lot of shame. You know what I mean? And and I totally, and I'm sure Jeremy does too, understand the shame part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're growing up gay, HIV positive. How old were you when you finally, you know, were able to when you met Jackie and you actually started going to therapy? I was actually eight years ago. I'm going to be 41. About 33, 34. So you were holding all of that. All that emotion was building up for you for 33, we'll say 34 years. Yes. It had to feel like a whole everything came off your shoulders, like it was a brand new you once you finally let it out. Yeah, I, I did. I did in, in in sort of a way. Um, feel like that, but I knew there was. See, this the, the the. I think the core issue became when I was a child. If you read the chapter, and got molested, that caused me to isolate and shut down. And I think through working with Jackie, we found that out. And you know, so I mean, I did. I did do sort of like a mental throw up with her and let everything out. And it did feel better and we moved on. But then, you know, over the years, each issue we kind of go into and break it down and look at it and the feelings behind it. And it's helped. And that's what's kept me relatively on an even keel mentally, you know, without falling back into a depression or an isolation. So did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes total sense. I just, I just, you know, wanted to get a feel for it because I know when I finally was able to be who I was and come out as somebody living with HIV, it just, this, like, all this weight just came off my shoulders, and I was able to be this whole new person. Yeah. It was like a cleansing. Yeah, in a way, you know? I felt. I, in a way, I feel that way too. Um, but my, um, I guess, with my status, I, I only reveal to people I. I guess because of issues of trust also is that it's not for everybody to know. It's only for who I want them to know. Right. Do you understand that? No, I mean, I don't, put, yeah. I don't put it out there for the world to know. Um, but I, I do let my people I, I 
think I care about? No. What, what What's going on with me? And that's about, that's the way I see it. <laughs> so how, and, and, and how long have you and um, Dr. Jackie, how, how long have you guys been seeing each other? Not that you've been seeing each other, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been it's been a long time. I would say eight years. Eight? Oh, going on eight years? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. That, that, and, and, I have to look at his chart, but. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 how are things now? How are things now? Yeah. I After mean, eight years. I mean, it's good that I, when I have things that come up that I could call, even if it's not my appointment day, um, my therapist is always there for me. I could call her or text her and say, you know, something's going on. Can you call me back later? And never have I once been shunned away, and she's always let me, you know, vent a little bit because, you know, because even though you see a therapist, your life isn't always going to be like uh, cake, you know? Mm-hmm. Things are going right. to happen. Issues are going to come up. Certain things you don't really know how to deal with. Um, and she's a a great person that will listen and kind of direct me. You know, she never tells me what to do, but she gives me ideas or suggestions, and it really helps. So, so I, I think that's terrific. So you... You, and, and Dr. Jackie, so you use, and you've said, and I think you said this earlier in, in the show, and I just want to kind of recap and bring it back because this is a real-life example of, of working with Kay to, to move through it and not, not giving him a set direction or a set path, so to speak, but really getting, getting Kay to work with himself to, to get to an end state. I, that's really the only way I think that in the long run therapy works. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely give advice, and if I find myself giving direct advice, I'm always wondering if I'm feeling at a loss or helpless because that typically see therapy as a collaborative journey. Um, but the insights, have to come from the patient. So the therapist's role is to guide, guide, a, guide the patient, um, create curiosity, create, teach them how to self-reflect, help them to stop in the moment and think about things so that they can, in the end, gain the insight rather than me telling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because People can intellectually know things, but until they can emotionally connect to what they intellectually know, they'll often remain symptomatic. Um, does that answer your question? It, it does. It, it completely does, because I, I do know um, that, I, in, in like Kay, I've gone through several therapists, um, because one, all, and all she wanted to do was sell me her book, and it was it wasn't about it? me at all. It, no, I didn't. She was, she was too busy pushing it. And she you know, had, I have to it, add a little lightness yeah. to this intensity. I am on the radio, Absolutely. right? It's my Jersey yeah. accent and all that. So. Yeah, you got to buy my book. Come on, come on, buy the book. <laughs> but uh, she wasn't the right fit for me. So I went through a couple of them, and one and, and one in this example was she constantly was giving me assignments and advice and says, well, you ought to do this or you should do this. Or when I was in this situation, like, and it, that didn't work for me. And, and I think I, I found someone who, simil- who, who has similar tactics that you have and, and, or a similar um, plan is, is working with me and not dictating. I think that's far more successful. So, Kay, Jackie, congratulations on on. On, on great stuff, and what a great book that, that you've written. Thank you. So you're welcome. So Thank I'm going to pass it back over to Robert. Yeah, I have Hi, a Robert. question for Kay. Um, Kay, when you were you know, going through the process, you were with Jackie. Obviously, I think when this book was, when you were telling the story, this story, this part, I think it was in the earlier stages when he first started coming. So when she revealed to you that her mother had passed away, mm-hmm. how did that in, 
impact you because you went through that same thing. And I mean, if you read, obviously you read the book, and when you read the book, you see how she was dealing with how and when to tell you. So, exactly, what was the question? How did I feel when Jackie yeah, revealed how did that, that feel? to me? Yeah, when, like when she told you that, like you know, that you, when you read the book and you saw that she was really contemplating. Well, like, I mean, should I, I tell her? Should I not? I yeah, I, I know. Um, and it was it was just like in the book. It was basically I came into the office and we were in a session, and she said I would like to um, tell you something. This was like after a two week. Uh, I didn't know if it was a sabbatical or what happened. I was kind of worried. And when she, I was more concerned about her, and then she revealed that her mother had passed, and it was from the same disease my mother had passed from. And and it just, well, besides being gut-wrenching and emotional and making that connection, I think we both shed tears that day. It It, yeah, it made me feel like, someone understands that that you know I was going around because you know through the loss of my mother which was one of my biggest losses beside my partner was that <clears throat> no one understands the loss of a mother and the mother's love because at that point with my HIV status no one else knew it was only my mother so it was like when she revealed it to me and her loss and how it was affecting her, it just, it made our connection more stronger. And uh, it just was um, a very intense, emotional session, and I think we grew from it, both of us. So, yes, that's about it. No, that makes total sense, because I know, like, when, I always kind of obviously relate things back to HIV, but... I lost my father at a young age before I was diagnosed, and I know that when I meet people and they tell me that they lost their father, I kind of feel like I have this instant connection with them because I know, like you said, there's nothing like a mother's love. It's the same thing with a father, especially if you lost them at such a young age. Exactly. Yeah, I don't mean to downgrade your loss, but, yeah, I understand, yes. Yeah. It's really, really tough. So how how are you moving forward now with, you know, your... your, uh, uh, one of the questions in the chat room is how are you dealing with your, your addictions and, you know, have you been able to stay clean and how's everything going with you and health-wise along that way? Health-wise, um, you know, like like in the book, I, I, I don't always adhere to the medicine, but uh, after a recent bout of going below the numbers for HIV and into AIDS, I, I kind of had a, a smack in the face and I have been on my meds and, and uh things are going well um what else what else was in the question i forgot <laughs> how how um they were asking how you, how you were dealing with how has your addiction been have you been able to oh my addiction you know, i i've had setbacks i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not so totally sober guy or girl whatever you right. want but um <laughs> i have had i've had you know drinks um, dabbling in you know my drugs of choice every once in a while, but I don't I don't really hide from it. I let I let my therapist know, and we work on it to to strive to be better and not fall in that you know that downward spiral. You know it's it's not easy. I don't I I I, I, I people who are suffering from drug addiction I totally understand. I've been in and out of programs and really. Nothing has helped me more than my therapist at this point. But, you know, other support groups are great, too. I mean, I go to different things at uh, the Gay Men's Health Crisis, um, uh, also down at the um, the uh, Pride Center down in Manhattan. You know, different groups I've been in have helped, you know. Right. So, you know, having support and having a, a, a support system has helped me not to fall back to where I was. So things have been going pretty good. So got to knock on That's awesome. Thank That's you. That's awesome. Jackie, how's that felt for him to say that, to say that, you know, you've really helped him the most out of all the programs he's been to? I mean, it has to make you float on cloud nine. Yeah, it feels really good. And like I had said earlier before Kay was on the show, but I'm sure he was listening, um, these are the 
types of things when you say that the job is exhausting, this is how it's exhilarating to hear that you've affected someone so much and that you've changed your life and so much, have a connection with someone like that. Um, it makes all the hard work worth it. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a, there is a question um, from the chat room, actually, and I, I think it's actually a, a, an interesting question. Um, the, it's coming from Work in Progress in our chat room, and, he's, and this question is for patient K. He says, how did you feel when you first learned that Jackie had written a book with, um, and a chapter that was about you? Um, how did you feel um, about first learning about it? Um, I have a little funny story. I don't even think I ever told Jackie. Because Jackie had told me she was writing a book for a while and that she was using some case studies within her own um, uh, case management. I don't know what she calls it. Within her own caseload that she was using. And when she didn't mention that she wanted to use me, I felt kind of slighted. And then after a few weeks, she came to me and said, David, I would like to use... Okay, I would like to use you as, um, you know, as a chapter in my book. So I was, I felt it kind of made me feel better. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was kind of weird. But and, but I, I was kind of, and I didn't want to make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but Jackie had asked me prior to um, actually writing the chapter if she, if it would be okay if she used me, and it really, it kind of made me feel good that she would want to use my um case as as a as something she wanted to put in her book and i i, I read all the chapters i read all the books and i think mine is the best one <laughs> <laughs> hey i just wanted to remind everybody that we are 9 minutes to 10 or we've got about 8 minutes left in the show if you have a question for dr jackie or patient k um give us a call at 347-215-9442 um so so let's let's finish this the the hour out. I can't believe the hour has gone by so quickly. Um, what are you looking to uh, to? Where do you go now, Kay? Where do you go from here? Um, I continue <laughs> doing what I've been doing, and uh, I mean, I I don't think I would ever think about switching a therapist unless I needed to because Jackie went away because it's been so helpful you know our sessions and our connection um, I just want to continue to go forward I don't want to spiral down I don't know if people have suffered from you know major depression but um, it's not a nice place to be in uh, it's so right now I've been off my meds my Psychiatrist feels I don't need them at this point with the amount of therapy I get, um, which is good because I haven't had any weight gain. Actually, I've lost a few pounds, so <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just want to go forward. I want to. I want to be more productive. I think I do have a lot of insight into feelings on HIV, other issues, traumas, abuse. And maybe it could benefit the community, the gay community, if I can go out there and be in support groups and be able to talk about it. Um, maybe it would help another person get through some difficult times. Um, I, yeah, I feel I could help other people. And just remaining um, what um, healthful, I mean, like, you know, keeping my, my my body and my mind pretty clean and, you know, moving forward, I think I, I, I could be purposeful and helpful to other people. Great. No, I definitely uh, think that your story being included in this book is going to help a lot of people, um, you know, understand that they're they're not alone with certain issues and that it's okay to, to go see a therapist, you know. The yeah. one thing that I, I thought that was really cool is that, you know, Jackie made sure that she let you know that you were important, that you were a worthy individual to have unconditional love. And I just want to tell you that you're a worthy individual and you deserve all the love. And to be honest, to share your story like this, it's, it's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That, that, that really makes me feel good. 
Thank you. Great. Anytime. Oh, and oh, one more thing. And if you want to purchase In the Therapist Chair by Dr. Jacqueline Gunn, go to www.drjacquelinegunn.com and buy the book. It's it's a good read. It's it's and it's a great book. So buy the book, folks. Get out there and purchase the book, <laughs> or go to your library and, and check it out and read it. But the point is, is go read the book. It's it's terrific. Robert, I totally you, agree. Thank you, you guys. Um, Robert, if you don't mind, I just wanted to tell our listeners that I do have a book signing at the Karen Hornet Clinic. Um, on Wednesday, and another uh, signing at Barnes & Noble in Hackensack, New Jersey, on Saturday. Both of uh, the events are posted on my website. If people, yeah. I mean, for the local people. You took people. the question right out of my mouth. <laughs> Excuse me? You took the question right out of my mouth because I was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, um, you know, what you have coming up, and I saw that you had a lot of book signings, so that's kind of cool. Do you ever get to Philly? Or North Carolina, where Jeremy is. <laughs> Jeremy, you're only in North Carolina? I'm in Charlotte. Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Philly was one of the places that I was looking into. But now that I know Jeremy lives, uh, lives in North Carolina, out in Charlotte, I'll, I'll work on my southern accent. That's right. And, that's uh, right. come down and do a signing. <laughs> that's right. And we'll, we'll pick you out some, for some uh, fried pickles, fried okra, and... As long as they're not fried insects or anything like that, I'm fine with it. Oh, no, no, no. That's when you get down to Georgia. Oh, okay. (laughs) I have um, one last question here for Jackie. Um, um, This is from Mark uh, King as well. And he says, since your book gives us the -the behind-the-scenes view, he wants to know if you ever strongly disliked a patient, and if you did, have you ever showed it? Um, I... Well, there, can you ask him if he's read the book? Because the, there's second case no, in the he, book. I'm sure he hasn't. Okay. The, there's the chapter three, which is the second case study, is a patient that not I, I, I liked her. I mean, I still see her. I like her. But she uh, evoked a lot of intense rage and... Uh, difficult feelings that I took home with me because she called me constantly, so I really had no choice but to take it home with me. Um, That's also a very provocative chapter because it goes, I'm very honest with the roller coaster I was on with her, trying to get her to be contained and not over-cross boundaries. Um, I don't think I've ever so that's would be an example of my book of right. of how anger is evoked. It goes in depth into what the anger meant, how I handled it, what interventions I did, and how I thought about making the interventions to the point that we were very comfortable now. And I no more she no longer does things to provoke me. We were like engaged in a sadomasochistic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that chapter is extremely uh, provocative. In insofar as I'm revealing that I'm angry at this person who's coming to me for help and how that how conflicting that is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a patient that I disliked without having some empathy for them. But I mean, I'm in private practice now, so I kind of get to choose the patients I want to work with throughout my training throughout your training, you don't have that luxury. And so I would say that not presently, but in there were times in the past that I had patients that were extremely, extremely resistant to therapy and it felt like they were only coming to therapy to torture me. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I disliked them. Yeah. But I tried to, like, I would bring it to my own therapy and try to talk about what was being evoked and try to understand it to see if I could use it as clinical material because sometimes when you feel angry, it's something that's the patient's provoking um, within you. It's not really your own anger. It's a 
that's kind of complicated. But again, the book goes into all of that. Um, I'm only thinking yeah, of one woman in general that I I was like, please leave. I can't take it anymore. And I would be like ripping my hair. She was coming twice a week. This was when I was still working as a clinician at the clinic. Um, now I'm a supervisor there. Uh, because she provoked me to such a degree um, that it was hard to empathize with her. That's the one person I'm thinking of. That's great. So Wait, I'm I mean, I'm Mark human to go too. Get the book so he can check that out. We are all out of time, so I hate to pull You're not going to leave my fan page now, Robert, are you? I'm sorry? You're not going to leave my fan page now, are you? The no, never, issues. never. Okay. Not Good. at all. Not at all. I'll be there forever. Um, but I want to thank you, uh, Jackie and Kay, for coming on. We appreciate your honesty and, and openness with, you know, everything that you're sharing with us. It's really important. So we just want to thank you for coming on, and you guys are welcome to come back at any time. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, much. very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Robert and Jeremy, for having us. It was, it was well, a great hour have and a great, great time. Day. Okay, so we are a little bit over. We're not streaming live right now, but we will be back. So, um, again, you can find more information on myself at posim.com, more information on Jeremy at positivelyspeaking.com. And don't forget that uh, we have a special show coming up on October 27th. Uh, it's a Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to have the fabulous Mondo from Project Runway. He's going to come on the night before the finale and talk about his experience coming out HIV positive on national television without telling his family. And he's going to share his story with me and Jack McEnroth Wednesday, October 27th at 7 p.m. Mark your calendars. Tune in. It's going to be a show you don't want to miss. Thank you all for tuning in and showing your support. Have a great night, and I will see you next week.